All right, this is my first podcast intro from my new home, which is a 1997 Ford Starflight RV. Oh yeah, baby, big moves. Just upgraded from Jody Forrester, my Subaru, into a full-on RV that my buddy drove out to me from California, and holy shit, it is so nice to have my own bed. Hoo-wee. I've been on the road for uh, close to four months now, driving through Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, crashing at very generous podcast listeners' homes, as well as in the back of my car and in a tent. And it's exciting. It's exhausting. I have been sleeping so much better in a bed that I can call my own. That really is the, in my opinion, the worst part about adventure and being on the road constantly. It's not having your own space that you can feel totally comfortable in. And now that I have it, I'm, I just wrote an article with the door open, looking out at a lake in Montana it's pretty sweet. This episode of the podcast is with one of my closest friends who I've known since high school. Shane Heath is the founder of Mudwater, which is a coffee alternative company. They make mushroom chai that I drink. Um, and he's a very artistic dude. Uh, he was the guy that actually made the logo for this podcast. So if you're looking at a photo of me giving a shit-eating grin with the Kyle Tierman show right over it, uh, that was Shane who made that. Uh, for any of you who went to the Motherfucker Awards or saw any of that comedy online, um, the brilliant logo of the middle finger spinning the globe was also Shane. Uh, he really just oozes creativity. You should check him out on Instagram. He's also a very talented painter. Um, and he came out and visited me. In Montana, we hiked through a mountain range for a few days, got ourselves into some trouble. Um, and I always tend to think bigger around Shane. Um, one One quote that I love is, stupid people talk about people smart people talk about ideas and brilliant people talk about movements. I believe that's the way the quote goes, but even if I bought, uh, butchered it a little bit, I'm sticking with it. And whenever I, I talk with Shane, we tend to be, it tends to be about the future um, and where not only our lives are going, but where society as a whole is going. Um, and Shane is also someone who takes radical ownership over his life. Um, he really lives it moment to moment and tries to optimize every moment so that he can show up um, for the big moments more fully. Um, so in this podcast, we talk a lot about breath work and really how Shane has na navigated this uh, rocket that he is on called Mudwater. So it's just been a joy and a pleasure to bear witness to one of my oldest friends doing so well. Um, and finally, Shane was the dude who introduced me to podcasts many moons ago. He sent me a Joe Rogan episode, and I was like, what? These people just talk? Wow, three hours later, that was really entertaining. So 
We all have Shane to thank just a little bit for uh, his fingerprints all over the Kyle Tierman show. Without further preamble, please welcome to the show, Shane Heath. All right, we're here in Bozeman, Montana with Shane Heath talking about holotropic breathwork, and he just did a session with me, and I feel like uh, I'm now hypnotized, and he's going to have his way with me. Yeah, that's the idea. That's, that's, that's the just, shaman's way. That's basically just like the way it's like control and manipulate <laughs> breath. Get somebody into a very malleable state. <laughs> like butter. Suggestive. <laughs> you are now like butter. <laughs> um, no, but I, I recently did a breathwork teacher training two weeks ago. Um, breathwork has been a really big part of the last three years of my life, um, mainly as an extension of meditation, I find. Um, at least that was the initial thing. I, I originally did breathwork at a yoga studio called Yoga Barn in Bali. In Abood, it's like a yoga university. Mm-hmm. You sign up for like a month, like unlimited pass and there's just like different classes everywhere you got the qigong you got you got the ash like ashwanga, ashtanga, ashtanga. You got the pranayama and then i saw this breathing class i was like well i mean i think i know how to breathe let's see what this is all about <laughs> and i didn't know what it was all about because <laughs> got into that class and this was more um i'm not quite sure it was more similar to like a breath of fire that you're doing in in like a uh, Bikram yoga class was more rapid breathing and you're sitting up like what like <laughs> through your like nose breathing though. in through your nose out through your nose pretty rapidly um and we did like a sequence of slight variations of that and it was um each one was supposed to be uniquely associated to one of the different chakra centers and uh it was probably like a 20 person class you're in this amazing like yurt type space with monkey sounds and for for people who don't know what a boot is it is like the epicenter of yogic university in all of bali if not all of the world it's insane yeah it's it's really cool spiritual babes galore yeah like you you like walk outside and like smoothies are just like thrown into your mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like breathing in chia seeds. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like how you tell which way the wind is coming from. It's like yeah. various chia seeds blowing in yeah. the wind. People like hunt superfoods there somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so this breathwork class, I'm like 20 minutes in, more thinking it was going to be a meditation, right? And just completely like blasted off. My whole body is vibrating. I'm like feeling like I'm lifted off the ground to the point where I kind of have to like open my eyes and slow down. I'm like, where, like, I don't know if I'm just going to like disintegrate right here into the ether. Um, and so after that, I was like, like really drawn to the power of the breath. Um, because it's really accessible, like psychedelics, um, I'm definitely into, but I also have a lot of fear around it, you know, respect, a respectful fear. Um, and then especially I have, I, I'm really respected in the form of healing. Right. Um, and through our, through mud water, we, we donate to maps and have since day one. 
MAPS is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, which is based in Santa Cruz, California. Mm-hmm. They're doing revolutionary work with vets, people with PTSD, using psychedelics mm-hmm. and MDMA for uh, therapy. Yeah, and their main focus has shifted. You know, they, they've really been in the fight for getting psychedelics, um, at least to be able to be studied, right? Like the war on drugs was kind of like capped everything. And uh, their, their main focus now, it seems to be MDMA. Um, and I think largely because it's really accessible, like it's pretty safe. It's not, um, as you don't have as many bad trips, I guess you could say. And then with breath work it's very similar, like breath work, you can surprisingly, it's very consistent. It's you, you kind of get, if you do the work, if you do like a deep breathing exercise for 10 minutes, you're going to feel something, you're going to feel a shift. Um, so I really liked the, the ability to like replicate the experience. Um, so you can build like a daily practice around yeah. it. Yeah. I like that too. I was listening to uh, Tim Ferriss podcast. He had Sam Harris on recently mm-hmm. who had a lot of experience with psychedelics when he was younger and then didn't take it for something like 25 years right. until just recently and took a huge dose of uh, mushrooms. That, yeah. But the one thing that they were talking about that stuck with me is you know, so if you take mushrooms consistently enough, sooner or later, you will have a very difficult trip. Mm-hmm. And it's very important to not... Um, not proselytize and talk about how amazing mushrooms are and how everyone should be taking them until you experience that because it's fucking terrifying and that's part of having the respect for the drug is going through that feeling of like oh my god who am I where am I I want this to end totally and breath work I mean meditation I think in general is a good way to prepare yourself for these non-ordinary states of consciousness and being able to kind of be grounded and present and like be able to face a challenging experience. Um, and then breath work even further. And so to tie this back in holotropic breath work was started by Stanislav Graf and Big Sur in Esalen. Um, Esalen's kind of like the, the West Coast California Abood almost. It's, For sure, it's like, <laughs> totally. I've actually never been, um, yeah. but from what I've heard, it sounds like I need to go. Um, but yeah, so like in the '60s, they were doing psychedelic research, and back then it was, you know, it was legal and they, it was amazing, and they're having tons of uh, efficacious studies being being done specifically at Esalen, yeah, with and LSD they were, and psilocybin. Right. Yeah, and they were doing those various symposiums where all the scientists yeah. from Harvard would go to Esalen mm-hmm. and they'd all talk about the research that was happening. Yeah, and I mean, they were still figuring it out, you know, as they were going. So in other places without like the context built in and kind of this, um, I probably would guess it's not like super scientific there, but you know, like they they had immense respect for it and they were doing it for the purpose of science and, mm-hmm. and study. And then once the war on drugs basically blanket illegal, like nobody could be doing it anymore. Yeah, schedule one drug, going to go to prison if you get mm-hmm. caught with a bag of mushrooms. You're still having thousands of people traveling to Esalen to get, you know, therapeutic help and people like needed help, right? And so you have all these trained therapists who have hour, hundreds of hours of experience leading these psychedelic journeys. And part of those journeys, you know, they're, they're documenting every aspect of it. Like, what is this patient saying? What are they doing? How are they feeling? Um, and they notice that a lot of them in kind of the coming down, coming back into reality, they tap into this like breathing pattern where they're and coming back and it, and it can help them integrate the experience because it kind of brings them back in, in a safe way. 
Um, and, and so once it became blanket illegalized to um, practice LSD and, and these types of therapies, they, they started continuing with this breathwork exercise that was kind of just something that the patients taught the researchers. In wow. A way. Yeah. And so they just started to expand upon it. They continued the, the other um, things that they're doing, like you're blindfolded, you're lying down, you're in kind of like a, the set and setting is still there. Um, all the set and setting from doing a psychedelic experience, good music, someone's there sitting with you, uh, and, and then you're just doing the breath work though. And so holotropic breath work, you're breathing like what we did, three-part breathing, belly, chest, you're getting it all in and all out <clears throat> for long, fast, longer, like, <sighs> yeah, for long periods of time though, right. longer. So we just did, so yeah, I, I just did a breathwork teacher training um, through a, a man named Chris Keener and he teaches a modality called Golden Air Breathwork. Is that in LA? It's in LA, yeah. I mean, and it's just a derivative off of all of these things. They all kind of stem from what is called TUMO, which is sort of like what Wim Hof tapped into, um, sort of like unknowingly, right? Like Wim Hof's wife passed away. She uh, killed she, herself. She killed herself. Um, and he went through a, a period of depression, it sounds like, and um, jumped into the cold and found like cold was his god and was using breath to be able to to be in the cold for longer. And TUMO is a technique, I, I believe it's up in like the Himalayas, and um, these monks thousands of years ago used it to, they could use it to heat up the extremities of their body. And so they've studied them. This technique is still around and you could heat up like the extremities of your body, I think upwards of like 18 degrees, I want to say. Dude, you should have been doing that the other day when we were on our hike and you said your hands were going to fall off. I did, dude. The, did you? Bro, I was thinking, I was like, I'm tapping into whatever I can. To, uh, like, uh, I th yeah, man, that, that was so painful. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool to see now there's just a lot of derivatives, right? So holotropic breath work, you're doing it. Shane and, I, like Shane and I went on a hike, a, a multi-day backpacking trip. We might talk about it. but We're uh, definitely talking about it. There was some snow. Some There's, snow. And, sh and Shane, Shane didn't prep for it. I had no waterproof gear. I, <laughs> Shane's like, what's the weather going to be like out there? I'm like, it's like California. You, you literally said, it's hot in Montana. <laughs> Dude, it was hot when you texted me. I picked up a jacket and I was like, it's hot in Montana. I Dude. don't need this. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was like 75 exactly when you texted me. I mean, like 10 minutes later, it was hailing, but at the moment the text was received, we can we can go back into the records of the weather pattern, Shane. It's, it's not my fault you were unprepared. It kind of is actually literally <laughs> your fault. <laughs> um, but yeah, that radical response. I, I did use some breath work in, when I was coming down off there. Did more you? not to push you off the cliff. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, it's, he's okay. Just he's calm still down. my friend. Just calm down. He cares, yeah. he cares about me. <laughs> okay. Um, um, but yeah, so that now there's just tons of different types of breath work. Um, breath work is actually like the original yoga. Like yoga was originally really more about breath than it was about movement. And now it's kind of shifted where it's movement first and the teacher constantly has to remind you to breathe, right? Um, but the original yoga was using breath in various parts of your body, breathing in there, heating up your body. Um, so a lot of traditional like yogis, they, they look at something like Bikram or hot yoga and they're like, that's not the point. Like the point is to use the breath through movement to, mm. to warm up your body from the inside out. Right. So, yeah. uh, 
you, when we were on our hike, you were talking about the power of nose breathing. Mm. But this is all through through mouth breathing. Mm. And, and is mm. that because through the mouth breathing, it can get you to this alternative state of consciousness? But, but in daily life, you know, you were talking about how you just read this book, Breath, mm-hmm. and how it can be a lot more effective to breathe through your nose through most of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we were evolved according to the book and the research, like we were evolved to breathe in through our nose, to be nasal breathers. All most other mammals on the planet do so as well. And then when we started, when agriculture came around, we started eating softer foods in general. So we, we were chewing less, which decreased the size of our jaw, the strength of our jaw, and really ultimately like changed the shape of our skull. That's why I have a Jawser size in my car. Oh, you have one of the fuck yeah, I have a Jawser size. <laughs> Those are the funniest ads ever. Oh yeah, but yeah. They, the funny thing about Jawser size <laughs> is they don't they don't speak to that aspect. They speak to the like you want to have a chiseled face. Like right. they're not like speaking to um, if you do if you do jaw exercises, your jaw does it changes it changes yeah, yeah it fast. shifts quickly mm-hmm. yeah there's uh, tribes that have been not contacted and all of the kids have strong jaws and perfect teeth yep. and their jaws are strong enough that their wisdom teeth don't get impacted. Yeah. Like nature is not going to evolve us to the point where our teeth don't even fit into our mouths. Right. You know what I mean? That's, there's something wrong there. Yeah. Um, is what the, the, like the skull scientists show. Like if you show the evolution of man, it's like we're the only species on the planet whose own teeth don't fit in our own mouth. Right. So it's there's something to that for sure. So, as a result of the sh- the change in our jaw size, it also changed. It, it impacted the way mm-hmm. that we can breathe through our nose. Yeah, and I mean, you, you, there's like a certain percentage of um, newborns that are born with like deviated septums and like nasal problems, and you got asthma, and you got you know sleep apnea, and all these things. Th- those don't seem like they'd be evolved naturally, and it's very common now to have these type of like breathing inhibitations where you're like you're not breathing you're not able to breathe normally right um so yeah the book talks like the first i was surprised because i I thought this book was going to be all about these types of like psychedelic breathing but the first three chapters was just about um the evolution of breath in general it's called breath breath yeah um and so yeah breathing in through your nose is um is good for a lot of reasons um it and i'm still such a white belt at this like i'm i'm just like it's really cool because it's the first time in a long time that i've felt like a a really excited student again like Mm. i'm like i mean maybe ever you know like i i studied art and design so when i was in school it it didn't fully feel like school um but now i'm like oh this is what like really smart kids must have felt like you know (laughs) like like, you're just eating it up yeah um it's a fun it's a fun place when you're a a neophyte, a yeah. beginner, a, mm-hmm. a, you know, you're new to something and you can kind of feel this, um, you, you can feel like this self emerging from you and mm-hmm. you feel this growth happening at such a rapid pace. Yeah. You know, it's amazing to be a master at any discipline, but the growth curve when you've reached that point is so much, um, so much slower right than than less exciting yeah whereas like if you're picking up something new you can if you have a good session you can get 50 percent better in a single session right yeah and i mean i did this breathwork teacher training two weeks ago and i've led three like short little journeys with different people now and honestly it's just 
allowing it's part of the learning more than anything the teaching is more than the learning or the i mean i I wouldn't even consider myself a teacher yet but um guiding someone through it and kind of putting myself right on that edge of my own knowledge um and sharing it with someone is just making me better at at that knowledge yeah um but some interesting things about the nasal breathing that was in that book too it was the the leading cause of um like oral hygiene problems, tooth decay is mouth breathing. It's breathing in oxygen through your mouth all the time. You know that everyone just closed their mouths who's listening to this and is now breathing out of their nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's obviously like, uh, it's not like you own, like you, I mean, people do tape their, their mouths like hmm. shut, like at night and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, just yeah. To no, like, I, I went to one of those like dominatrix cellars and they did that to me. <laughs> they put the gag in. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they said it was all this, this, this like, this is going to make, gonna make my teeth whiter. Just yeah. put a gag in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the jaws are size. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what I'm saying is like, you're not always going to read through your nose. Like if you're, if you're exercising really heavily, um, sometimes you need to exhale that CO2 build up and just like get it out and allow that oxygen to come back in. So, I mean, it's more of like a, a consciousness practice, right? To breathing through your nose. And I think what you'll find is through that, you end up breathing less. So longer inhale, exhale cycles, which is slow. So just slowing down, like you don't want to be like panting. Like, <sighs> and so what they find is that a lot of us are using a very small percentage of our lung capacity. So similar to like a balloon picture of blowing it up just like 10% all the time versus blowing it up to where it's like, <sighs> Yeah, it gets easier when oh, it gets yeah. bigger. Mm-hmm. And our lungs are malleable. And um, there was a study done on correlating factors to life expectancy, so length of life. And the number one correlating factor was lung capacity, the size of your lungs. And, you know, there's a lot of factors that draw into that. It's like probably people who exercise have larger lung capacity, but that's because they're using their lung capacity and they're extending it out and it's not atrophying to where you're like almost making it harder to breathe deeper. Right. So the more you breathe deep on a consistent basis, the easier it becomes. Right. right? So just like your, your shape of your jaw, you can shift that totally. with practice. You can also change the, uh, the size of your lungs. Yep. Yep. And then another aspect is through breathing through your nose and, it makes you breathe slower, which taps into your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the calming. It relaxes you. It gets you, it brings the way that you breathe actually changes your biological chemistry. So if you're, if your sympathetic nervous system is tapped, that's fight or flight. It's basically going to draw blood from like your organs, your digestive system. You're not hungry when you're anxious. You're not going to have sex when you're anxious and scared, right? Because it's bringing blood to your muscles, like ready to fucking fight or run or protect yourself. Um, And I think a problem today, uh, fuck your coffee, is when our sympathetic nervous system is tapped into so much. We're pounding coffee and caffeine and we have stressful jobs. This is kind of like minor stresses that are just prolonged all the time. And so breathing into your nose more consistently can just help balance your body. Yeah. Balance your sympathetic, parasympathetic, if your autonomous nervous system. So. Yes. Stress is kind of a, a dirty word. Uh, totally, totally. Right? But but stress isn't actually bad. No. Acute stress, it. working mm-hmm. out, you know, g- getting after it for an hour a day is actually really good to stress your body mm-hmm. in that way. But it's chronic stress that kills you. Feeling sore is stress. It's right. Stress on your muscles. You need stress to get stronger, literally. Yeah. 
So yeah. And, and it's just like a balance. And, um, what we don't want is like unnecessary stress. And for me, um, you know, I started my company because I was under the impression that caffeine or coffee was like good. And, but I was like feeling very stressed all the time. Like I was anxious and I think I was hyper aware of it because of the nature of my career at that time, being a designer and artist, like I'm very in tune with like how I'm feeling because that really directs how I can create and how I'm thinking. And if I'm feeling anxious, I, I'm not creative. And literally the science shows that parasympathetics, that state is the state of creativity. Yeah. Um, if you're trying to move bricks from one location to another, like the sympathetic state might help you do it faster. Like you're kind of one track mind. I'm getting shit done. Um, but if you're trying to problem solve, uh, the parasympathetic state is where you want to be at. And I think if you're looking at how occupations are changing with automation and, and everything, the creative problem solving mind is really where we need to start going. Um, cause whether it's like entertainment or, um, you know, leveraging the power of machines and technology, it's like, you need to be creative in that state to do that. Um, so yeah. And to also be nimble, you know, a generation ago, you could go to college and have a career for your entire life, Mm. you know, and, and it was relatively straightforward. Like the American dream, Mm. uh, was one where you could climb that social ladder. You could go to college, um, get a decent job, pay for your family, you know, your, the, um, get a house, have some kids, car. Now, like, I don't know anyone who can do that, right? And yeah. everyone I know is like, it's the, it's the independent contractor generation. It's like, you better mm-hmm. be able to be nimble and learn where the industry is going and be able to hop on that train when you see it leave in town. Otherwise, you're going to get left in the dust. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the, the best attributes of meditation and breathwork specifically for me is kind of this like sense of malleability. It's a perspective shift. Psychedelics do this for me a lot. It, it allows you to look at the world both like internally and externally from a beginner's mind a little bit and call into question things that maybe are no longer helping you on your journey. But then also it allows you to see make new connections for the future, right? Like things like, Oh, aha moments come. Right. Um, well, that's one definition of creativity. It's make it's connections, these connection, novel mm-hmm. connections in different mm-hmm. worlds. Totally. And, and so back to like the career thing and being malleable and like how you find your income and, and all of that. Like, I think it's really important to not be super stuck. Right. And like be when opportunities come your way, you're like, a couple shifts of what I do on a day-to-day basis, I can do that. And then all of a sudden that leads you down this new career path. And, um, I've seen a lot of people during COVID, you know, use that as, as a time for reflection and malleability and being like, I've been working at this job for 10 years. It's, it's good, but it's not fully, um, you know, fulfilling me, but without this moment, these months of, you know, furloughed reflection, I may have like never just jumped off the cliff and built the plane on the way down. You know, I, I may have never just did this thing that I wanted to do. Um, so I think that's a form of like environmental forced, yeah. you know, flexibility and creativity. People had to start problem solving for their own health. Yeah. You said that you started doing breath work about three years ago. When did mm. you start Mudwater? 
Started Mudwater two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. And, so May of 2018. And you've had, I mean, I've just seen it from the outside grow and, mm-hmm. you know, you got a tiger by the tail and there's these decisions that you need to make on the fly. Mm-hmm. Like what, how have you used breath work in some of those bigger situations and bigger decisions that mm-hmm. you've made? Because, you know, from the outside, it kind of just looks like the ship is sailing and yeah. you've got you know, the investors are coming in and the company's growing and it's taken off. But, um, I would imagine from the inside, like there is a huge amount of stress that you're dealing with on a daily basis. Oh yeah. Um, so what have been some of those situations that you've used breath work for, Mm -hmm. you know, bring me into that, that CEO's world. Yeah. Um, so I mean, me personally, I've, I've had a huge transformation over the past like five years, right. That, ultimately put me in a position where I could actually start this company. Like uh, five years ago, the person that I was kind of the, you know, I I had the skills as a designer to do it and kind of the knowledge and like business having co-founded two companies before, but not the, the strength as a human, not the confidence. And, um, starting Mudwater wasn't, wasn't ever like a plan. Like it wasn't, I never spend time in the kitchen. Like I, I've never touched like a <laughs> yeah. measuring spoon. You know this. No, I know this. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're Mr. Minimum Sufficient. Totally. Like, I, I was. Why would I cook when I can get Uber, Uber Eats? Like, <laughs> that's it's just so much more efficient, man. Like why would anyone cook? <laughs> I mean, I, that happens. I also like live off like kitchery for a while. Uh, like just like <laughs> yeah. this like peasant. Like no, kitchery is amazing. Like I, I love it. But it's like I, it's like very easy. It's like, I just make this big vat of like rice and dahl and spices. And I just like, that's it. (laughs) People make fun of me so much for that. But it is just like, uh, for a long time, I I just didn't like, there wasn't a a return on investment of time with cooking where I was like, I can eat this bowl of kitchery that took me like no time, or I can spend an hour cooking and an hour cleaning. And ultimately once it's consumed, it's pretty similar as far as like how it makes me feel caloric like the energy. In, yeah, it's just like, I'm yeah. just looking for calories. Yeah. Um, but now, yeah, we'll circle back to the breathwork thing, but now I've, um, I've actually like, I really like cooking now a little bit more. Um, both as like, I, somebody told me who's a previous CEO, he said, for your mental health, the best thing you can do is do things with no ROI. So ROI is return on investment. And for me, cooking was something that had no ROI and something that you can fall into as an entrepreneur is looking at everything as, as like an investment of time. So you're like, Oh, this person wants to go grab dinner. And you're like, like, what? Like, I don't know if that's like, I can sit here and read about something and get this knowledge. And like, you start to like weigh things out in a way where you kind of miss out on, on fun. Um, and I think it is important to like, I think it's important for creativity, for making creative connections in the mind to give yourself time for it doesn't have to have like this element of productivity or element of it's making me better. Um, just doing things for the sake of the experience. Right. right. Yeah. Well, and so cooking is a great practice for that. For that's me, for interesting. Me. Yeah. Well, also when you're, I mean, I've, I've never started a company, um, the closest thing I've done to it is the motherfucker awards where I'm working with a ton of different people 
And the thing that I found to be one one uh, emotion that I found to be addicting mm-hmm. um, from being the captain of a of a big ship is that you can make a decision and almost in real time you see it imprint out on the world and it's so addicting and ch- yeah. and and it changes and like oh like you're working with enough people and you have this support system that you have this idea and then all of a sudden it becomes a reality yeah. very quickly it's almost like you have this like magic superpower where you're like oh i want to create like a tiger in the bedroom and then like the next day there's a tiger in the bedroom yeah. you're like whoa i can it, do this right and like with mud water you have the, this idea in the morning and by 5 p.m that evening it's a fucking reality that's the thing and i think it's something that's just when you're working in startups where things move very fast you start to see your time be so amplified where you're like i spent three hours on this and boom this happened and so what that does is make something like cooking for two hours. You're like, compared to that, right. this isn't really getting a lot of yeah, value. It's not totally. giving value to the world. You start to like rationalize things. You're like, I'm just going to eat a bowl of kitchen. And- right. And, and with <laughs> analytics, right, you create a new Instagram ad for mud water. It's, boom, put it out there. And then all of a sudden you got a thousand new orders in. You're mm-hmm. like, woohoo. Like, it's an addicting thing, man. Yeah. It's like, yeah, cause and action. Like you, you take action and then something happens yeah. and it's really cool. Like, well, you know, we uh, – I'm reading this book right now called Bullshit Jobs mm-hmm. and um, one section in it, the, the author says the worst form of torture any human can endure is the torture of throwing a rock over a wall and then walking around to the other side of the wall and throwing the rock back. Yeah, and and forever working towards something no why. and not like you can't understand the why you can't understand the why and there's no return on investment like yeah. that that psychologically mm-hmm. destroys us yeah but we love the carrot right and that's it's everything from like a fasting app like zero where like okay I'm gonna put this work in and at the end I'm gonna get this little like ding badge you know mm-hmm. it it hits our dopamine receptors in a in a very uh, addicting way. Yeah, it's purpose, and then you want to know you're on the right path through some sort of quantifiable data point. Yes. Um, so yeah, breath work with launching mud water. Um, I would start like breath work is one tool in my like tool belt that allowed me to kind of evolve as a person to get to the point where I could actually hold that type of energy. Um, and like starting mud water was an intuitive process. So I had actually just started working with Shems, who you've had on this podcast a couple of times. Yeah, great therapist. About a year prior, um, I, I dealt with uh, you know, a tough relationship and I, I had these dreams and aspirations for myself, but I felt very held back for in a lot of ways and I wasn't really sure why. So I really just wanted to talk to someone both just to like get out my thoughts. I think a lot of therapy is just, it has nothing to do with the therapist other than they're kind of like the catcher's mitt for your emotions. Um, but also to get new tools to, um, you know, to build daily practices to, you know, heal whatever was maybe holding me back or to open up to some new aspects of myself. And so Shem's, um, expounded upon my breathwork practice, which I was already doing. I was doing a morning ritual practice, um, where I, I would just wake up, uh, sit up in my bed and just kind of like ground down into the world. Right. I just, it was pretty simple. It was meditation, but it was, uh, I would just breathe 
and I would think about I'm alive, simple things that that I wasn't really thinking about a lot. You know, I'd wake up, look at my phone, go into the workday, like charge it and never took time to realize that I was like my body was just working without me thinking about it. It was breathing. It was pumping blood. It was recovering from exercise, all these things. And that just allowed me to ground down to like, I'm here sitting on my bed in Venice on this rock that's hurling through space. Like that is a crazy perspective to just grasp onto. Um, and it's an important perspective, I think for looking at things, stressful situations and being like, where does this sit on the spectrum of like actual, like the universe, right? right? Like, okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to be all right. And then we're all so, going to die. So yeah, I started, um, I started doing, I started just like a pretty good morning ritual process um, and was working with him for a year. We would talk every couple weeks or something like that. And around like month 10, uh, I was just, I just noticed a lot of change in myself. Um, I was, I was working at the time at a startup in Venice and leading the design team there. It was an e-commerce product. So sold online, um, subscription based. And I redesigned their packaging, their website, worked a lot on their subscription management portal. Um, but I was working in an office environment full of a lot of coffee addicts. Um, most people in an office are drinking coffee. There's Keurigs, there's different forms. People are really excited about getting their caffeine in. I was bringing this jar with sludgy brown mixture in it, right? And I had people being like, what the fuck is that? And I'd be like, it's mud. And they're like well, what is that? <laughs> well, let me tell you. So, I mean, every morning I was just taking cacao and chai and do these different mushroom compounds, um, really with the intent of like, if I'm going to fill up a mug every morning before I pursue my dreams, like maybe it can be more than just a vessel for caffeine. Like maybe, I mean, at the time when I was kind of looking up these ingredients, which happened to be like two years even prior to that, um, I didn't even know if it was possible, right? But I started just researching different things. I was like, lion's mane? Great for focus? Well, I had a scoop of that. You know, cordyceps, good for physical performance. I had a scoop for that. Turmeric for inflammation, so on. And uh, so I was drinking that for like two years. Just thought it was another one of my own weird things. Um, thought maybe this inability to consume large amounts of caffeine was my own problem, right? But working in an office environment, I like everybody was interested like everybody drank caffeine but everybody kind of wanted to drink less of it you know right. what i mean it was <laughs> yeah you like, have that like one of my favorite lines that you have on your site is like i'm trying to get more coffee into my life said no one ever right. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean that's like i love that that those things in culture where it's like like i love the quote by mark twain it's whenever you find yourself on the on the side of the majority it's time to pause and reflect and it's kind of like how you prevent sheep mentality where people are just oh everybody's doing that cool i'm gonna do it not thinking about how it makes them feel and so being in an office environment i started to build this hypothesis that you know there was a percentage of coffee drinkers that wanted to quit um but there wasn't really anything out there and that's why i made my own thing right there's decaf but it's there's, too similar to coffee that well if you're looking just for the the taste of coffee yeah, yeah. sure drink decaf but like most people want they're like doing it for energy or like focus or they feel like it's benefiting them in some functional way. Right. Like coffee, the first time you try it, wasn't probably like, mm. yeah, no, all kids hate coffee. Yeah. I remember hating coffee yeah. when I was a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, nice. it wasn't like a, the taste thing, you know, right. it was definitely function. 
Um, so I was like, well, this is way more functional what I'm drinking. And to be honest, what you're doing it, like, and I'm speaking to the people in the office, like what you aspire to be better at what you aspire to do on a day-to-day basis isn't necessarily benefited by high doses of caffeine, at least not on a daily basis. Like there's potential where maybe you are super tired and you maybe need to use a little bit of like a stimulant drug to like just get through because you have like a, like a deadline or something. Right. But high amounts of caffeine on a prolonged basis, like ultimately it's going to deplete your adrenals. It's going to, you know, have you at higher states of sympathetic response yeah, where you're I'm, just like, I'm looking to get a sweatier asshole said no one ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Hey, I mean, it makes you sweat, dude. I get cold sweats yeah. when I, when I drink coffee and I'm like writing and I'm like, Ooh, Oh man, like my, yeah. my seat's a little wet now. Yeah. And, it's like you're writing, but your body, it feels like you're writing to like run from a tiger or something yeah. like that. And you're like, it's yeah. like mildly it, like a high dose of caffeine for me has like mild echoes of like a really bad dose of ecstasy. <laughs> you yeah. know, and you're like at Tiesto, like I'm yeah. having a good time right now. Ah, yeah. my I got heart's... the pill with the question mark on it. <laughs> See oh, what yeah. No, it happened to me once at Burning Man. I, I took mm-hmm. ecstasy. It was a bad dose. Yeah. And, uh, I thought I was going to die, so I went back in my tent. This was like year three and like put on, class. put on my iPod and listened to Jack Johnson for like uh, three hours I have straight. my happy play songs, dude. <laughs> I, I've, I've had those before. I was like, take me back, Jack. Take me back yeah. to Hawaii. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, in this office environment, I'm like, A, on the, on the skill set side. So I'm, I was doing meditation and breath work daily waking up, going, running on the beach. I, you know, wasn't drinking. I felt like just a different human. And I think what a lot of that is, is I've never fully explained this or looked into this. This is just kind of my, my little definition of myself, but I think underneath what cultures taught us, what our friends teach us, like this kind of imprint of society, like drink coffee or this is good. This is bad. Um, sits like a deeper intelligence. Like the, it's the intelligence that causes us to breathe. It causes us, it's like our heart beating, it's the autonomous nervous system. But like you look at nature, like most animals, they're not like thinking about thinking about thinking and like trees grow. They know where to find the sun. They know to find nutrients. There's like this underlying intuition that sits underneath, right? Yeah. How does a seed become an oak tree? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think through breath work through diet through meditation through journaling like all these practices ultimately for me just gives me um it allows me like tune into that tune into that intuition and i've seen it as it's almost like it's like a radio station it's playing it's always been playing but you're on like 102.5 kdon like it's like and it's a little raspy and like you're kind of hearing some like hip-hop beats but then sometimes maybe maybe you have like a an amazing experience, right? And the dial gets shifted and you start to hear something else. And that's like the intuition. And it's like, rest, you kind of get a glimpse of it, but then you go back to like, oh, I'm going to go party this night. I'm going to go eat this shitty food and um, back to the stressful work. I'm going to drink my coffee. I'm going to do this and that. And without like a daily practice um, for me, I think some people maybe can tap into this easier. I ultimately kind of get straight away from that. And with a daily practice, I find that I can tune into that deeper and more consistently and more like just whenever I need it. 
um, and art for me is an, a really good way to, um, to fine tune that frequency. Um, so when I'm painting, I'm like, I'm kind of trying to let my, I mean, I paint a lot of portraits, right? But the underlying part of the portrait, it's a lot more expressive and abstract. And it's these, it's, I'm just kind of like letting my like paint strokes, like just go where it feels right. And I think I'm like strengthening this muscle of like what feels right. Okay. I'm going to do it and then get that kind of feedback loop. Um, so breath work, uh, fasting, like eating healthy. I was in this state when I was about to start mud water where I was very, I felt very in tune with myself, like the deeper self underneath sounds a little woo woo, but I really think that is, um, a really important thing to tap into if you're going to start something that comes from the heart. Yeah. Well, ask yourself why so many artists and writers kill themselves. Mm. Like, why is that? Why mm-hmm. do you think? Like, I personally think that we're all artists in our in some way. We're all creative in some way, but but some some people are deeply sensitive, and when they are not on track, um, it is excruciating. It's it's it feels like you're being re- radiated, mm-hmm. and it's so excruciating that for some people they f- they feel that the only option out is suicide. Right. Like to or get to that drug use or intense, that, yeah. yeah, or intense drug use or You're just trying to numb it, numbing almost. out mm-hmm. from, you know, feeling like they're not on the right path because it hurts the soul when you're not on a right path. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that what you're talking about, like tapping into that deeper intuition is ultimately like, I don't know. It's almost like the the Oak tree wants to grow right mm-hmm. in this certain way. But if the oak tree is growing in this environment where it's there's fencing all around it and it's trying to grow through the fence and you see the root trying to come up from the sidewalk mm-hmm. but it can't really yeah. do it, it, that's an excruciating feeling until either the oak tree dies or it bursts through the cement. Right. It's a good analogy. Yeah, I totally feel that. And – you know, and so, just, and as you said, like whenever you're on the, you know, like uh, what, what's another, what's the other quote? Like um, to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society is no measure of health. Mm. Who who said that one? I don't know. Really? Mm-mm. I don't. I don't. Have we posted that one? Yeah, you have. Yeah, I, I don't you know. Know that? I don't Shane. know if we did. You did. All right. I'll, anyway, I'll check it out. It's a good one. Uh, it's not about who. It's about the quote. <laughs> it's not. I hate that. I always remember the quote. I never remember the people. I'm yeah, so, so sorry, sad. everyone. Yeah. I'm so sorry. The, shout out shout out to the, to the, the person that quote or woman um or woman yeah um yeah so 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 you were in this this sensitive state right when you yeah. started mud mm-hmm. and then you started it yeah so so what happened is i you know i was i was definitely starting to become open to like the awareness of this might be something that maybe people would want is at least in my office for sure and um me and one of our mutual friends, Aaron Czar, one night, it was probably May 10th or something, 2018, we're going out to uh, this party on this boat and pre-gaming at the house, but I'm not drinking. So we end up take, making a little of this mud brew. This is before, this isn't a company. This is just my own little concoction amalgam of tons of ingredients you're like my house isn't dirty enough i don't yeah. have enough paint oh, dude. i mean that floor. that came later dude <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we'll get into that but then so we put a little microdose of psilocybin in it uh had a great night um and then the next morning I, it was the weekend so it was like a saturday i woke up with this 
I was tuned into whatever, right? Like it was an undeniable force that was like, of it was kind of like a, it was an aha moment, but it was like, duh, like this already basically exists in your mind full fledged like that. I grabbed my computer, like the name, the packaging, the packaging hasn't changed really since then. It's gotten more FDA friendly. Like we put nutrition facts and all these things on it and set it up in the way where like there, there's, you know, a lot of constraints around type size and everything, but like the, the design of it is the same. Uh, I coded a custom Squarespace site that day. Um, I ordered, you know, like 10 times more of the exact same ingredients that I had in my cupboard from the same site, Amazon. And I ordered some glass jars on Amazon and some stickers on Vistaprint all in that day. Um, on the following Monday, I posted a, an Instagram photo and didn't have a product yet. I just found some like stocked photo that I was like, oh, that's a good vibe. Posted it. Finally, I got product the following mon- the following like Tuesday because it's Amazon, two-day delivery. And uh, I made, you know, the first jar, posted it online, said, we're not mad at coffee. We're just disappointed. And we started to get orders. And so this is all in my, my house and in Venice. Um, that's actually like the coordinates on the tin. If anybody's had that on the packaging and order came in and I, I didn't even have, like, I knew the ingredients in it, but I didn't have like a recipe. Like I didn't know like how much of each thing every morning. I mean, up to that point. A scoop or so. Yeah. It's like a a decent sized scoop. (laughs) And like, sometimes I would make it for myself. Right. And I'm like, Oh, that's good. And sometimes I'm like, Oh, that's healthy. <laughs> you know, like, that's a really healthy batch. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, I can't. I mean, I can't do that for for these customers out here. So, I mean, I just had to rapidly like figure out what to do. I didn't even have a mixer. I just was like basically like making one by one almost at the time. And you know, you fast forward three months, six months later, and we were doing still in my house, like doing six figures in monthly revenue and. I had like, I was working full time still. I had friends coming over, um, every day I would go to the office. I would come back on my lunch break and they'd have like Santa Claus trash bags full of boxes, load them up in my car, drive to the post office, drop them off, go to work and then come (laughs) home at six and come home and make, like, see how many orders I got and just crank through in my kitchen right there. Um, so it was, it was really stressful, but I was I was just so into it and I didn't have any savings at the time. So I opened up a credit card and I mean, we were, we were growing and the pro the thing that you don't realize when you're growing like hundred percent every month is like, you have to put a lot of money down to pay for the inventory of the orders that are, they're going to come. And so I, I had like no savings, you know, opened up a credit card. They gave me like a $5,000 limit. I was like, damn. <laughs> but I mean, that increased, you know, every month or two I was paying it off. And then I got like to a $20,000 limit, but that was like six months later and we were growing fast and it was, I was work. I was so stressed, but I was, you know, I had these practices that I worked on with Shems and was just going deeper into them. And it just allowed me to take on a lot more. Um, then I think I definitely, than I personally would have been able to take on year prior. Um, but I think it was a lot more than most people could take on and I was able to handle it. Um, and, but I also was like, at, I came to a point where I didn't have enough time to keep up with the growth, 
And then the other option was like, I could quit my job to give it all my time, but then I could potentially run out of money, um, like for myself and then ultimately wouldn't be able to keep up with growth. Right. So there's like kind of two paths to a dead end road. And I remember waking up one morning, just like, like my, those four or five months were just like this blur of creativity and expression. I was answering every customer support ticket. I was reaching out personally to every person that ordered while, you know, doing a great job at my other company that, that was relying on me. And it got to a point where I was just like on this edge of like, I don't know what to do. And I called Paul DeJoe, who uh, was the CEO and co-founder of the previous tech company that I worked at. And he was kind of my advisor, therapist, kind of business. He, he was helping me with finances throughout this first th- six months of MUD. And I was like, told him what was going on. I'm like, I, I was basically on the verge of tears, like that kind of stress. And he's like... I'm going to write you a $25,000 check. And if you don't accept it, I'm going to stop helping you. He's just like the, he's been in the startup space for a very long time. He's a mentor of mine. Um, and now he's like a brother, but he, uh, you know, he doesn't have crazy money. Like this was like money he was going to spend on a house and didn't really even let me answer him and just sent me a text. was like, look at the bank account, um, go quit your job tomorrow. And, uh, so I did. And, we, um, I brought him on as co-founder and two months, I think it was like 90 days later, we were actually, I was going to your brother's wedding and closed a million dollars on the flight down basically. And where's mud now? Uh, as far as it's just like, I mean, I, I, we, we don't have time to go through the whole timeline yeah. of it, but I think it'd be fun now to like, yeah. So where flag, are you flag post now? So at that time. Um, you know, some top level metrics. So we, we raised a million dollars from some amazing investors. We were doing like six figures a month in revenue. Um, we had, you know, a couple hundred subscribers, you know, like I knew them all by name basically. Cause they're, they're my little obsession. Like somebody subscribing to mud, they're like, they're in the game. It's like my book club right yeah. now. Yeah. So like, two, like yeah, yeah. Shout you know out to everyone in the book club. Um, so yeah, two years later, uh, we've went on to raise an additional 4 million. Um, we are now doing seven figures in monthly revenue. Um, and we have, we just eclipsed 40,000 subscribers. So there's, there's a large gang, large mud gang now. Um, and you know, we're not making it in my kitchen anymore, which is is great. And we're not, we we have, um, an amazing, uh, co-manufacturer so they're producing our product and then we have people fulfilling our product so for the first like year and a half like me and paul were making the product and like shipping it we had like a team in an office and it was like we were running like a warehouse and i was trying to do the design and grow this online business right so it was a lot and um circling it back in i used breathwork for i mean most mornings i do some form of breathwork so like I was saying, there's holotropic breathwork, there's tumo, there's pranayama, there's all these things and they're just tools, right? And I view a lot of these tools where I'd put fasting, meditation, um, good diet, exercise, good sleep. All of these things are just tools to allow me to take on more stress in order to chase my dream, right? To go after my purpose, to be my highest self. Um, and I feel like that is my mission, 
Like, that's what I want to be. I want to, I want to look back and be like, I, I found my potential and I applied it towards something that made the world better. Um, and for me to find my full potential, I like, I need to find the tools that allow me to do that. Like a Navy SEAL goes into battle with different, different equipment than, you know, uh, infantry men or something. Right. And so you, you have to find the tools that are fit for the, for the project. And for me, startups is a, is different than working for a large company where you're working on one small aspect and there's not a ton of stress on your personal shoulders. Um, but within a startup, we have a team of seven full-time employees and, and we're all working our ass off. Um, but we, like I infuse a lot of these practices into our workplace and and it's a tricky thing because I don't want to be like the, like, I'm not a shaman, (laughs) not going to be a shaman. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) And so I don't want to be this person that's like, okay, everybody, we're going to sit down here and I'm going to force you to like do these practices. Right. Um, but I do try to introduce, I try to, um, yeah, like handhold them through them, but more so I try to introduce them to a variety of options um, and reasons for trying them. And the reason is to make them better at like what they do or make them able to enjoy what they do more. Right. So like I remember at previous companies feeling like drained, tired, like you hear a lot of this, it's like almost aspirational to feel it's like, you're not working hard unless you're just like saying you're you're busy, saying you're busy is a brag. Yeah. It's it, a humble brag. Like, yeah. Oh, it's just so crazy busy right now. I haven't even I'm, had time to do anything. It's just I'm fried. Yeah. I'm fried. Like, yeah. Uh, I really try to like monitor that in our team. Like if you're saying that too often, it means I'm not doing a good job. Um, yeah. What well, also takes you out of um, integrity when you're fried. Mm-hmm. Like I do my best to not use single use plastic. Mm-hmm. When I'm tired, I do. Yeah. Right. When I'm like fried and I'm just like, fuck it. I don't give a shit. Right. It like, and that's just this small example. But Mm -hmm. when you are on this big ship and you're growing really quickly, when you're in that fried state, it, um, makes you do, it it makes you take shortcuts Mm -hmm. that are out of integrity. Totally. And, and then when you're in a, 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 position of power it can it can ripple out and have real negative effects on the world yeah so one of our values that we um speak to the team about is we want you at a hundred percent seventy percent of the time versus seventy percent all the time right because a lot of companies like you're always just running off like you have a full cup you're just like overflowing and you have no capacity for maybe new challenges that might present themselves or new ideas or new inspiration. It's like, Oh, I'm way too, like, I can't think about that. I just got to get my shit done. Um, so we want to make, always have room for, you know, the big ideas to be able to like take hold, to be planted. Um, and so we do a couple things. Um, you know, I do a lot more, like I'm like known on the team for just being like a crazy, like ritual type person. Um, and various members of the team take me up on some of these things in various capacities. And so before every, we have a meeting on Mondays and a meeting on Fridays that are more like all hands meetings. The Monday meeting is kind of like a vision meeting. Like what, like we reflect on last week, we reflect on kind of like how we did, but it's more about what are we doing this week to really move the needle. And then on Fridays we have a reflection meeting where we reflect on how we did at that task. Um, but we also have like gratitude where everybody goes around and kind of talks about something they're grateful for. But the beginning of every meeting, 
starts with five minutes of breath work. Um, and that breath work can be a variety, like kind of pick your, your adventure, right? Choose your adventure. But I do, I have taught kind of what we just did, sort of like a Wim Hof breathing with an exhale, hold, inhale, hold. And then we have done more of like a box breathing, like nasal breathing where it's like five and a half in, five and a half out, or like an Andrew Weil where it's like four in, seven, hold, eight, exhale. Um, and it's cool because, I mean, not a single person on the team has ever been in a meeting where they're doing breath work and most of them had never meditated before. It's such a Venice thing. <laughs> it is, I mean, it sucks to say that. It should be, everybody should be doing it. Every, yeah, no, it's good though. Well, That's- well, and, and I mean, the purpose is to create a buffer from whatever you're doing before the meeting to being in the meeting. Meetings are really expensive when you think about it. Everybody, if you take everybody's hourly wage and you're saying all seven of us are going to sit in this meeting for two hours, you know, what are we getting out of it? And for you to get the most out of it, you need to be able to be present there in the meeting, but also be creative. And so back to you know, the parasympathetic nervous system, like where I'm literally doing the breath work to get you into a creative state. So we can actually like use the most of you and your mind in this meeting where we're talking about challenging things or new ideas or trying to solve problems. Hmm. Um, you know, one thing that I've noticed, uh, just on this trip, like I've, I've known you for a long time, but I feel that it's more pronounced in you than I've ever seen is this, uh, belief that you deserve what's coming to you, mm. which is rare. Uh, I find that that it's very easy to either um, get on one side of belief, which is in which is um, seated in ego, where it's like I'm fucking crushing it. I'm going to talk about myself and how well it's all going. Like, and you can just tell that it's from this place that's not like grounded and grateful and there's not this like reverence for like the universe pushing you along in some Mm -hmm. way and then there's the other side of it which is also based in ego where you want to come off as humble and through that desire to come across as humble um you're constantly cutting yourself down or Mm -hmm. having these thoughts like ah like i okay that good thing happened but that was a fluke and i'm really a failure underneath it all Mm -hmm. and i think that those kind of subconscious streams that are throwing that are going through our consciousness really um determine where we end up in life Mm. um you know because you can put in a ton of work but if you believe that you're a piece of shit and you don't really deserve it every time that opportunity comes to you you're going to squander it yeah um you know it's it's like you know pro athletes who get that big contract and then the next week get caught drunk driving it's like somewhere in there they didn't believe that they deserved to be on that global stage. Yeah. And um I've I've told this to you before just on our hike like damn dude like you're you have this very unique and precise balance of like really um wanting to grow mud in a, a in out of integrity and also like you fucking believe in yourself. Like you believe mm-hmm. what you have coming to you. Uh, and, and that you deserve it. Um, and I don't know if there's a question there, but it's just yeah. a, a, a tip of the cap to you for being able to f- to figure that out. Um, because, I mean, it's something that I certainly still struggle with, like the, the fear of coming across as egotistical. So I'm just mm-hmm. like, ah, yeah, it's like, whatever, I did this thing, which doesn't really give, I don't know, appreciation for 
the thing that I did. Yeah. You know, it ultimately makes me smaller than I have the potential to be. Totally. I, I struggled with that for a very long time of feeling worthy of like anything really. Um, whether it was like a romantic partner or, um, you know, success or even just a compliment, right? It was just like, mm, they're just trying to make me feel good or like they feel bad for me or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's like the story was just, was wrong. Right. Um, I think when it comes to mud and, and even like my art, there's an interesting thing that happens when it's coming from like that intuition place where it doesn't feel like it feels separate from you as like the you ego. Um, like it, 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 somebody was talking about that last night, I think Maddie, the guy that we met, he was talking about when he, um, he was an architect, architect. Yeah. yeah, He he said like his best work, his best work doesn't come from him. He's like, it doesn't even like, I can't really take ownership of it. Like it's just, I mean, it's awesome feeling to create, but it's like, it's not, it's a different ego boost. Like it's not, um, it's not like Schmeagol, like this is mine. Yeah. It's very hard to explain. Um, it's not constrictive and it feels like there's a, like you're a pipeline for something else. People of all creative pursuits have talked about that, like musicians and artists and, um, like this business, like I've started two other startups and this is the first one that has felt like an art project in that, in that same way where it's not coming from me. It like the original idea didn't seem to come from me. It was just like, maybe it came from the mushrooms. (laughs) I don't know. You know, like it was, um, something else. So maybe I do, um, like I talk about it in a way where it's like, like I'm proud of it, you know, like as a separate thing. And obviously it's me and a bunch of the people that are making it happen as well. So it's tough for me to like attach onto that. Um, but I also think it's in my best interest to feel confident in my ability, um, to, you know, make it happen, right. To, do my part in lifting it up to its fullest expression. And if I wasn't doing things that put myself in the best position to do that, I would feel a lot lower about Mm -hmm. myself, but I do do a lot of the work. Um, and you know, I feel prepared to handle it. And so that gives me more, way more confidence. Um, you know, when I reflect back five years ago, like it's just, I was a different person, you know? Right. Um, when we were on a hike, you were talking about visualization and how you don't want to think about whether or not you're good enough all the time. Like yeah. you don't want that thought to be so you don't want to so think about present. The, the want, the wanting feeling of like I don't. There's this thing that I don't have that I want all right. the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and if you're plagued with ego, like that want is always present, right? Mm-hmm. And like, that's a really consistent thought in your mind. Yeah. It's like, feed me, feed me yeah. all the time. Yeah. And you said that, so you will do some exercises, like, like multi-hour visualization exercises yeah. to get yourself to that state so that you can then just let it go. And then you're like, great. I really deeply trust, yeah. trust that <laughs> feeling of worthiness and now I can let it go and it's not going to be constantly plaguing me. Totally. So it's pretty interesting. I've talked about this on another podcast where, um, the most beneficial thing about psychedelic experiences, like whether it was ayahuasca or psilocybin or like LSD was the, the aftermath and how it, um, it enhanced my meditation and the kind of these things that I can practice on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I've heard it, um, explained similarly to like if you're hiking from point A to point B and you're kind of just hiking kind of like rolling hills 
um, it's going to be tough to figure out where that is. Like if there's tree coverage, you can't really see, but you hike to the top of the mountain that's next to you and you get this overview and you kind of see where you're going. And then that's kind of like the psychedelic experience. Once you get the message, you hang up the phone, you know where you're going now. Like you kind of have this, like you get the map a little bit. And so, um, well, you were just talking about visualization, yeah, so, and, so and visualization, I want you, I want I want you to talk about the yeah. specificity so, of so the visualization, yeah, yeah, and then we can ties in. we can tie into so that we actually did the that. the most recent ayahuasca experience I did afterwards. I ended up doing this like microdosing program. It was three months, uh, and it was right when this was right when I raised the first um, round of funding with Mud. Um, so this was like two years ago almost, and I really wanted to make sure that I was in you know, the best state of mind with this opportunity. We just had these amazing investors trust their money with me in this idea. And so I did this three month microdosing program where I was, um, you know, I had a very clean diet. You're almost doing this dieta, which is essentially like cleaning out your body, but you're eating foods that, you know, according to, um, the tribes in the Amazon are, are clean energetically. So it's like, you're allowing the thing that you're dieting on. They typically will pick like one plant. Um, in this case, it was the ayahuasca vine. Uh, and you're allowing the spirit and the knowledge, the intelligence of the plant to come through. Um, so all like shamans down there that if you ask them like how, like where did, how did you know to like combine these things to make this drink? Yeah. Like the plants told us. Right. Yeah. Most um, people don't know. <laughs> ayahuasca is a vine and they then you combine that vine with any number of plants that are high in dimethyltryptamine. So this mm-hmm. should be like the acacia plant, and and the ayahuasca is MAO what, inhibitor. Yeah, so it's it the MAO it. inhibitor. So it allows the dimethyltryptamine to. It stops your body from processing it out. It's right. Like, Hold up. We're, we want to get this in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty wild. Um, so yeah, I did this microdosing thing. Part of it, part of the experience was you're creating a visualization uh, board, like um, sequence. So you come up with a couple different like things that you're, you're trying to like manifest into reality. And I had done, I had read the book, you are the placebo, um, by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, and even I remember like in high school or whenever, when the, the secret came out, I was just like, this is awesome. I remember <laughs> me and Dane Nabel and like Gary Herthler were like watching that every day. <laughs> but there's something, um, I've always been really drawn to the power of the mind and, and really like the untapped potential of the human existence. And I think the mind is a major source of that untapped potential. Um, and so I was doing this and I was building this kind of like meditation thing that I was doing every day that had these series and sequences of visualization and, reflecting back on you are the placebo it was a lot about the feeling and cultivating this like first cultivating a malleable mind state so maybe you're doing some sort of practice to decrease the activity in your prefrontal cortex which is like the logical rationing reasoning mind that might restrict you from bringing some new um like new instinct or new belief in yourself because it's just like we, we don't know what that is. Like your mind's like, I don't know what that is. We want to know, we want to focus on what we know to keep you safe. Right. So, um, through this, I really got into that whole experience of visualization. And then I started doing a more in-depth practice where at the beginning of every year, um, I would write down 
the, you know, the things that maybe that I wanted to bring into my life, but also the things that were holding me back, things I wanted to let go of. And I would spend, I would like lock myself. I, one time I went to this, um, like spa place where you can like rent like a private room. And I just like locked myself in there and just read, like read it out loud. Um, and what happens when you read it out loud is you like, if you have doubt or, like if your belief around it is a little bit undeveloped, like it, it'll show, like you'll feel it. And you're like, why do I feel like self-conscious? I'm in this room by myself and Whoa. I'm saying this and I feel kind of like shy. Like or what I, were you saying? This is personal. <laughs> Give me like one. Um, I mean, definitely there was some around building self-confidence. Yeah. There was a lot around that. So what was, was like, the I, I want to be, it was like, I, I'm a confident speaker, you know, like something simple like that where maybe at that time I wasn't you know, and still I'm working on it. But saying that is like, you know, the little, the little dudes on your shoulder, like, no, you're not. You're not <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it, but you work on, you say it enough to where you're like, I'm a fucking confident speaker. And it sounds very silly, but what you're doing is you're like reprogramming it in your mind. And by doing it all, like kind of batching it in one sitting for me is that you, you can kind of like do the the work on the aspects of like the disbelief, the doubts right there. And then you don't have to worry about it as much ongoing. You just kind of trust. You're like, I, I pushed this, this train in motion. I started the snowball and it's, it's just going to start, it's going to start going. And a lot of that is for me, um, when your body and mind knows what it's looking for, it knows what to look for. So it's like, I mean, people talk about this all the time. Like if you're, if you're shopping around for like a Tesla, like you're going to start seeing Teslas everywhere. Um, and it's not that you're attracting more Teslas or like, we're going to drive to Shane. (laughs) Your your mind is just like, (laughs) Tesla's actually, that is one of those things that could actually drive to you, Shane. (laughs) Damn it, Elon. (laughs) Yeah. How dare you destroy my point? (laughs) Elon's got Neuralink in you and he knows that when you want Tesla, he'll have one drive into your driveway. I want a Tesla. Uh, But similarly, you know, like you go to the grocery store, you could have like a list of things you want to go, you want, and you're like looking in the, like the signs on the aisles and you're going to find things more efficiently versus like, I'm going to, I want like nutrients or something, you know, like you, if you plan ahead, your body knows what to look for. Um, So you're going to see the signs and ultimately like it'll take you down a path that's where you want to go. And I think if that path is more rooted in a feeling that you're going for versus like a really descriptive physical material outcome, for me, it becomes more powerful. Right. Um, yeah. So, and that's maybe what the secret was missing. Yeah. Is that there was like, yeah. I'm going to believe in I this want $100. car. Yeah. yeah I, I want a hundred dollars. Yeah. Right. Like, because it, it really, at the end of the day, I want a it parking is, spot. <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, it is the feeling that you're going for. Totally. Right. It's not the thing because you, we've all, you know, seen those rich assholes who yep. hate their lives and they have all the things, but they don't have the feeling. Mm-hmm. And then there's the people who live in their vans who have attained that feeling mm-hmm. and they're content with life, right? And I do think that that is the power of, I mean, that's the power of meditation. I do yeah. the Sam Harris waking up app and he has these um, loving kindness meditations yep. where you actually bring to mind what it feels like to see a friend having the best day of their life and, and to like, you actually feel those feelings. And, um, I, that at the end of the day, that is powerful. Like we are just, there's this continuum of emotional states yeah. that, uh, that we all have access to. 
And depending on our environment and our state of mind, that's going to determine where we are between any point between heaven and hell. Mm -hmm. And and I don't feel that that is hyperbole. Like there are people who live in a hell for most of their days. And there are people who live in a kind of, um, of heaven for most of their days, you know, Mm -hmm. because they've cultivated these emotions like gratitude and contentment and stoke. Um, and it was a real big eye opener for me when I when I met a few people who who had cultivated those emotions. Like um, this dude I had on my podcast, Doctor Rick Hansen, is the the episodes of the neuroscience of lasting happiness. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best ones I've ever done. Really? And you could just tell this guy had cultivated a life full of happiness and contentment, and it it just allowed us to connect in on this, like mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, authentic way. You can totally feel it in someone. Dude. And it was, it was a remote interview and I oh, felt uh, it. Yeah. And I was like, dude, like my, my heart feels really open right now. Like it's a good I mean, we're, feeling. We're evolved to read people, yeah. you know, just through subtle expressions of the face and like cadence of the voice and yeah. all those things. Yeah. Big time. And, uh, I, it was an insight for me that, that some people, have cultivated the emotion of gratitude the way that uh, athletes cultivate a skill. Mm-hmm. And that there is a spectrum between you know obese people and LeBron James yeah. in, in the mind In the mind, for sure. Yeah. And what's interesting about the Sam Harris um, meta... It's the meta, meta kindness yeah, meditation. Meta is, yeah, it's the loving kindness is he, meditation. Uh, he builds that... He builds you into this state where you're thinking about someone that you have a really fond relationship with and you're sending them love. And then um, you can bring in somebody that maybe you have a challenging relationship with and you send them love. And that that is forgiveness. You know, it's where you're you're releasing you're rewiring your brain like Joe Dispenza says neurons that fire together, wire together. And if when you think about a certain person, it brings up this biological response, this psychological response that just becomes a pattern and, and it's sitting in you. It's just there. But you can rewire that through like that meta-loving kindness yeah. meditation. And a lot of the works that MAPS is doing with MDMA, MDMA specifically, which is allowing people to get into these states where they feel safe and they feel, um, you know, like loved in a way. And then they can traverse into these dark experiences, the traumatic experiences that they maybe never wanted to touch or access. And from this new, this different mental state, if they go through and go through and experience that through the, in their mind, again, it can help them rewire it and reframe and rewrite that memory in their own mind in a way that doesn't cause PTSD and trauma. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always find it so ironic that there's so many strong men, quote unquote, strong men who are so terrified to touch those emotions and those, those, um, you know, like the act of forgiveness, right? Right. Um, the act of apology. I, I, I do think that one of the most pernicious aspects of Donald Trump is that he has made the act of an apology seem weak. Right. Yeah. But really that's like, that's, that's badass. Strength, that's sure. strength. Like to, yeah. to be able to own up to your shit, to be able to go into that vulnerable state and forgive yourself or forgive someone else is, uh, courageous and brave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and it is in a way, I wonder what it is like about the act of feeling love that allows forgiveness. Mm. 
because that's what uh, you know MDMA is the love drug it allows you to feel this kind yeah. of a warm expansive feeling that I mean if people haven't done it like a, a it doesn't actually make you feel high in a lot of ways like in a, in a lot of ways it's this very kind of sober and clear feeling yeah. of love and empathy. It's not like a disassociative. It's not a disassociative. No, and it can make you feel like if you're constantly plagued by anxious thoughts, that is a mental affliction. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I had a point there. Um, well, what you're yeah, talking It's like the, the strong, you know, the person who doesn't want to handle that. It's really it comes down to it's like this how dare you like how dare you disrespect me right like so that's like where it's coming from right that like notion of like i am i'm worthy of being respected and you do not think so so i'm angry at you and i will not forgive you for it yeah but really the um the strength is like I know I'm worthy of being respected and whether you care or not like i really don't give a fuck you're right <laughs> and that's kind of the the real true strength, right? It's like the strength in your, your own belief and you don't need somebody else's somebody else to prove it to you. Yeah. Which is tough. It's, it's tough, but it's a worthy pursuit. And it's, um, it's also it, like one thing, one thing that I love is minimalism. Uh, I'm living out of my car right now yeah. and I have such an appreciation for the podcast. It's so that, is so, that why you told, you didn't tell me to bring gloves? You just wanted like dude, less, minimalism. less things. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's yeah. like, you, you know, you, I want you to just rely on your yeah. breath, you know, clothes. We'll pack, we'll pack one meal, two less. Dude. No gloves. Clothes are superfluous. Okay. Well, I just want you to be the most strong, <laughs> naked man that you can be. <laughs> you know, you don't need anyone else to tell you that you need clothes, bro. All right. You also don't need to check the weather report. Don't need to yeah. check the weather report. Look, man, all these <laughs> we gadgets. Got trapped in it. All these gadgets are. It, whenever you're on the side of the of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. Way too many people are checking the weather report. Okay. Yeah, when a storm can. comes in, um, y you just need to be that naked man, and and we'll we'll really see if that breath work works. In those moments, Shane, I, I was wondering if that was the test. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that, I'm like, fuck, I'm testing you as a this CEO. Is such a test. <laughs> no, but there is. I, I think that um, the there's a real power in in just as um, there's a power in not relying on too many gadgets mm. to do your thing. Yeah. There's a power in not relying on too many people to do your thing, right? And and maintaining this really kind of core nimble set of tools that you mm -hmm. can access at any point yeah. are the best tools to cultivate. Yep. Um, and that is why I like breath, right? It's, yeah. it's so basic and you can access it and it can take you to these amazing states. But similarly with forgiveness, right? Like if you, if you are constantly tethered to people who you need forgiveness from, mm -hmm. they're like these superfluous gadgets that you can't get yeah. away from. Yeah. Your pack is just, you so packs heavy of shit it's yeah. rattling around yeah caught on trees exactly that happened to me it happened yeah <laughs> there was a, our packs were full man our packs were full my pack was full of like wet clothes but there need. but also i mean this this ties in really well to to nature you know like going out on a backpacking trip turning the phone off it allows this space this kind of breathing room for you to just be out there mm -hmm. and uh some cool shit can happen, man. I, I I do think that just 
breathing out in nature as banal as it sounds is uh, a profound act oh 100 percent. i felt it was so nice like i haven't disconnected like that in so long like i haven't not looked at a screen for like 24 hours like that's crazy that's really weird to think about it's super weird um and even coming back in it was like you you could really feel your expectations for like this certain psychological response you like turn on your phone you're expecting like this dopamine hit and you're just like i have access to everything <laughs> give it to me abundance all. right well, we were talking about that like we we uh brought a certain amount of food in to this lake in the crazy mountain range and uh and we needed we we were running out of food. We had a fishing pole, and mm-hmm. you caught us some trout. Three and, trout, and you were like, "Dude, it's kind of a like a strange feeling to have these like con like constrictions on food." Oh yeah, like when was the last time you didn't have enough food with you? Yeah, and like the exact food that you wanted at that exactly. exact time. Like, Uber Eats, where you at, man? Yeah, I mean, we had so the first couple of days we had like this really good trail mix and we had this like these dill flavored almonds and like we get to the top of this thing and we, we had already eaten it all yeah and i'm like man i could if, if i was home i would just go to whole foods and just get whatever i want <laughs> right. just get that exact thing right now right but then you know so, so it was a three-night trip and we hiked to one lake the first day and then the second so we hiked, we hiked in Next day, I hiked to one lake, um, and then we went to another one, which was up this big, uh, big mountain range, and then down the other side. It was this really beautiful scape from um, kind of landscape from the top, and it and it fed down into this lake where we were going to go camp. There was no one else around. It's probably um, like ten thousand foot summit. Yeah, we, we were we were at like ten thousand feet, something like that, and, and the lake is probably. It was an alpine lake, so the yeah. lake's probably like eight, eight thousand five hundred or eight thousand five hundred. Yeah, so it's it's a big ass mountain that takes mm-hmm. like an hour to get up and then down the other side from the base. Yeah, from the base. Three and at the camp. top of this this mountain, um, there's a section on it where the trail is covered in a bunch of snow, and it's on this very steep section of cliff, like snowboarding down it you would have been going very very fast yeah. and if you misstep on any of this snow that's a couple feet deep you're gonna slide down a hundred feet before you probably more like because it's it was steep it was the snow was steep and then it went into like rocks and to get down into it we basically had and we're not in snow shoes we're but just we, wearing like hiking shoes hiking so. shoes and we have our poles and to get down we basically started creating these steps in the snow where you like dig in like one two three four like we're, five we're backwards we're like yeah like it's that steep to where you're like going down a ladder backwards basically and we're trying to create the ladder in the snow exactly <laughs> yeah you're building a yeah. ladder down snow and uh yeah, it was basically just you dig in and then dig in the next foot and then dig in your your poles to the next point. And getting down that was probably like 25 minutes of concerted effort through snow. 
which was and it was pretty sketchy because the the second you didn't have the diligence of hitting your foot in that it, you could fall. Yeah, there was this feeling of like any slip, like there was a point where you were above me and I was like digging in and then vice versa. And like, if at any point the person above you slipped, they would have taken you out and you guys, would, we would have both just like gotten cheese grated over these rocks. It yeah. Was just, it was sustained focus. It was super sustained like you, focus. You had to just be in that point. And we, and it was funny cause we started, we were like smooth is fast. Like we started like <laughs> yeah. having these little like chants. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think we Slow were kind of we scared. Smooth is fast. Yeah. We definitely like started relying <laughs> on these, saying, yeah. started relying on all these little, Dang little me. quotes. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I do, I felt that there was like a practice of, uh, you know, like you, that diligence, like if you practice diligence, yeah. then you're going to be able to make it through that situation. And like, honestly, I wouldn't have done that with too many other people. Like, it was, it was pretty sketchy, pretty burly. Pretty burly. I mean, the, the way out was worse. I feel. Oh yeah. The way out was way scarier because on the way out, we were like, okay, we're going to take well, the trail. There was a thunderstorm. Yeah. That, so we get down there and we, you know, I, I personally, I wasn't acclimated at all. Like you seemed a lot better spirits, but I was kind of like bonking a little bit. Like I was like, I need water. Uh, we had one kind bar, got that down. <laughs> like, and I was like, all right, well, I kind of need to catch fish just to like get back to homeostasis. Like I was pretty zonked. Kyle has his like fly fishing rod look super cool. I have this like $20 child's like pole. <laughs> it's, it doesn't even have the handle that goes on the reel. I'm like, hand spinning it and i catch three fish you know how that works out i almost <laughs> caught a marmot i almost caught a marmot. I caught a marmot i caught the third fish and the storm just started like the sky literally turned black we're like it looks like we're in like the toilet for the, the clouds like, yeah because like, well, we're in the spinning. base of this huge yeah. mountain range and thunder and lightning we literally had to run and we we had like just gathered firewood and just put it out in this kind of like open area just exposed to the skies and just started pouring rain just all in all our fire <laughs> and then we just bunkered down in the in the tent uh, put on some like pretty lights and just kind of like pretending like we were having fun and uh, <laughs> it ended up working out we i felt like that scene from tropic thunder where ben stiller's in the rain storm looking at his ipod like looking at like planet of the apes on his ipod through the storm yeah. I mean, I was like worried it was going to start snowing and just thinking about that traverse getting out. Like, Whoa, fuck. But the next morning, it's still raining. It was also raining. It was also raining. You, we couldn't even see the summit for points of time. It was like squalling to the point where like, you couldn't even see where the top was. Yeah. It was that stormy. And then we go over the section where the, the snow hits and, uh, yeah, I mean, that was sketchy, especially because it was really windy coming off. Of, there was wind coming off of the mountain, and... We saw a tiger. We definitely saw a tiger. <laughs> it might have been a mountain goat, but it was definitely a tiger. Yeah. It was definitely a tiger, and Shane and I were just singing happy birthday, and like, we were just these little chants, noise. like, loud noises, loud noises, <laughs> junior guard chants. <laughs> yeah. Walked straight towards it. But yeah, dude, on the way out, you felt like that was scarier? Yeah. For sure. Just because of the wind. Like, I, there's a couple of points where. So, I mean, the traverse, like, the trail is basically going up, and we're, it's probably like a 40 foot um, side trail, right? They were going up to the top of the summit, covered in snow on this steep, like, shoot like grade. And Kyle's, like, digging in these steps, and 
um, the wind is blowing, like catching our pack. So you kind of have to like stay low. Our hands are in the snow freezing. And like, if the gut, like you're like, if it gusted a little bit harder, like we were just kind of, if you were in the wrong spot, you could get blown off. Yeah. Um, and then I was thinking about the tiger as well <laughs> coming from the back. I had, I had our rear, you know, I was checking out that I had the bear spray. The bear spray was chambered. Check our 12 like mountain chain. tigers. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but in, in all honesty, it was, uh, I, I've, I've definitely had a few of those experiences before where you really need to gotta be on, be fucking on and like tap the fuck in mm-hmm. and be like, all right, this is the time to not blow it right now. Yeah. And like, do not let your, do not let your thoughts wander and do not let any, at any point, any step become sloppy. Yeah. Like it was just, it was this intense focus on the task at hand. And I'll tell you, I found that I was doing this slow controlled nose breathing. Yeah. You were like a poor man's Alex Honnold. I'm a, dude. There. I'm like the poorest Alex Honnold. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're like a budget Alex. Honnold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, dude. But we made, but then we we made it over it finally, and I just fucking was like, yes. Yeah, you like lied down, and I gave you like a fist bump, and I was like, let's get the fuck off this (laughs) thing. My hand was literally frozen. Yeah, I was like, Dumo, dude. (sighs) Just gotta keep in check. Uh, But it did. It felt amazing when you get to the other side. Like, there's a lot of. I I haven't taken a lot of time off recently, and right across that traverse, I was like. I, I'm de- like my next three day off adventure. I'm literally lying down for most of it on a warm, <laughs> sandy beach with like yeah. no clothes on. Yeah, You're <laughs> I'm like, like, why am I? Why did I choose this work? I was like, what? It was an like, escape for work. Totally. Afterwards, <laughs> I was like, what were you thinking about on that tra- traverse? You're like, mostly just fuck Kyle. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? Yeah, challenge my my ego survival on this yeah. mountain. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, uh, it was a damn good trip, and so good. Uh, I'm happy that you came out to visit me. You're the, the first buddy from back home who's come out on my uh, monastic eat, pray, love journey. I'll let people know West. not to come. Please don't. Yes, this was this was really just a warning sign for other people. Yeah. This is what happens when you come out and visit me. I'm going to try and kill you. If you don't know, now you know. Yeah. No, it was really fun. I'm envious of your trip right now. I'm really jealous that you're in the market for an RV too. That sounds so fun. Yeah. And then even just being in town, we went rock climbing yesterday. Um, meet like just meeting new people. Just I like this life. It's fun. I like it too. I appreciate that you uh, put so much emphasis on showing up at a hundred percent, seventy percent of the time. <laughs> That's a good one. Did you come up with that? Taking some naps. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Take naps. Take it easy. Dude, Nappy Gilmore. I'm a big fan of Nappy Gilmore. Nappy Chan. Yeah. All right. Well, if people aren't MUD subscribers, they should be. And uh, what else? What what kind of uh, content do you have coming out in the works? I hear you've got uh, some good writers on the team now. Yeah. So we have, we have our content arm called Trends with Benefits. And it's just, it's a platform, both written. We have podcasts. We have YouTube. Um you know, we feature athletes, uh, musicians, artists, thought leaders in the space, um, people like Kyle Tierman. He's uh, been writing some articles for us. Um, we touch on everything from nutrition, lifestyle, which is like breath work, meditation, um, and, and psychedelics. Um, so anything that you could use to, you know, improve or 
yeah, improve the human existence. So mind and body rituals, all of that. So you can go to mudwater.com, navigate to our blog, Trends with Benefits. We may be coming out with like a physical form as well. Um, but yeah, we're we're pleased to have Kyle writing like two or three articles a month for us. Yep, and, um, that's the plan. And where can people get in touch with you personally? Send you dick pics and stuff. Yeah, dick pics. Uh, shoot those to so many possibilities.com. I'll have my assistant filter those out, and I don't have an assistant someday. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's my Instagram. Uh, I do a lot of fine art. Um, that's your website. Can so many possibilities.com. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Instagram is so many possibilities. And no my website. Is so website many. is so many possibilities. My Instagram oh. handle oh, is, is so many possibilities. Oh, yes. Sir. Oh, crazy. Uh, Instagram and website are the same thing. Which, wow. Yeah. Imagine that. Um, uh, but yeah, I have a website where I mainly sell art. You can go to like my personal website, which kind of has channels out to some podcasts I've been on. That's shaneheath.com. Pretty easy. Um, you can navigate to my Instagram from there. Nice. Yeah. Thank you, sir. This was a blast. Thank you. That's our show. I'm going to play out the song called Lounge by The Spectacle. They're a rock and roll band that listens to this podcast, and I will link to their band page in the show notes below. If you're a musician and you want your music played at the end of this podcast, you can email it to info at kyle.surf, and I'd love to play it. I'll give you credit below. You can also head over to my website, kyle.surf, sign up for my weekly newsletter where I... Just once a week, we'll send you short stories that I write. Sometimes they're funny. I uh, wrote one about UBI recently, another one about the legendary adventure writer Tim Cahill that you might enjoy. So you can check that all out at kyle.surf, sign up for the newsletter, and it will be sent directly to your inbox. That's it for now. Hope you're all having a beautiful day. Get out in the water, whatever body of water you are closest to. See you soon.